Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we pray now that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Bring this text to life in us, that we might turn to you and live our whole lives for your glory. Be amongst us now, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we come to Jonah chapter 3, and in some ways this feels like round 2. We've been here before, haven't we? The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and we remember that from the beginning of Jonah chapter 1, where Jonah heard this message. Go to this place that you don't like. You're a nationalist kind of guy, and I want you to go to Nineveh and preach to them a message of woe. The first time Jonah disobeyed, he ran in the opposite direction for not wanting to go to those people of a different nationality and race. As he gets on a boat to head in the wrong direction, a storm comes, which overthrows the sailors in the boat and causes them to call on the Lord who Jonah worships. They see the power of God at work in this and turn to him. Yet Jonah stays in his disobedience. He's thrown overboard for all of their safety. And as soon as he is, the storm calms. The sailors are brought to safety. And Jonah, saved from a worse fate in the sea, in God's mercy, is swallowed up in the belly of a large fish. And from that place of rock bottom, Jonah, for the very first time, prays to God. He says that I will say that salvation comes from you. He has this turnaround moment. He declares that those who turn to idols turn away from God and his goodness to them. And God, in his mercy, gives Jonah another opportunity. His disobedience meant that he could have been that. But God was merciful and said, Let's try again. 
Jonah spat out, makes it to dry land, hears the word of God again, and this time obeys. The first thing God says is preach to the Ninevites the message that I tell you. I was intrigued as I was preparing this, that that's a present tense reality. The message I tell you, not the one I have told you. There's an ongoing relationship that God is seeking between him and Jonah from this passage. Keep looking to me. Keep listening to me as you go. Keep seeking out my voice. Keep in close relationship and I'll tell you the message that I want you to say in the moment that you need to say it. This isn't about squirrelling up spiritual resources once a week, once a month, once a year and then running away with them and and using them in our own resources, in our own strength for the rest of the time. This is about staying close to Jesus as we go. Jonah's told, preach the message that I will tell you. Keep close to me so that you can hear it and respond in my timing. The message that God ends up giving Jonah is a really short one and some of you are probably echoing that prayer for me right now. A super short sermon, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It's not eloquent, it's not long, it's not persuasive and yet because it was the word that God had for the Ninevites in that moment, it was anointed with his power. And it brought about the people of Nineveh believing God. Let's remember that these weren't God-fearing, God-worshipping, God-following people. Yet they hear this message from this person and something cuts to their heart. They believed God. They believed that this message was true. I'm not sure if Jonah thought anything was going to happen off the back of his message. I'm not sure if he thought anything was going to change by virtue of what he said. But he went and did what God had asked him. And because he was obedient, it was anointed with God's power and affected a whole city. Really quickly, the Ninevites go from just believing in their heads in God to letting it show through their actions. They quickly begin a fast, going without food as a way of prioritising this God that they've come to believe in. They put on sackcloth, a sign of great sorrow, mourning their rebellion against God and asking him to show mercy even through their very clothes. And then the king urges them to call urgently on God, to pray to him, to get right with him that they might be spared. Quickly they are called to give up their evil and their violence, for who knows, God may relent. There's that word which has given us the title for this series, relent. They don't know if God will hear them. And if God hears them, they don't know what he will do. But they want to be on the right side. They want God to relent. And they're doing everything that they possibly can to show that their heart has been changed and they want their wrongdoing to be forgiven. What did God do? Well, God saw their outward actions. God heard their inward cry 
And God responded to their message of contrition and relented upon them. He showed compassion. He showed them mercy as they turned to him, even though they were far from him to begin with. Earlier on in scripture, in Exodus 34, God reveals himself to Moses, one early leader of God's people. And he says, this is who I am. I am the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And here in God relenting on the Ninevites, he shows up that to be true yet again. God today is the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's his heart towards you. That's what he's like when he looks on you. However you are, however you feel, whatever you've done, God longs to be compassionate and gracious to you. His anger is slow and his love is quick. His faithfulness is constant. Turn to him today. We don't know too much about how the Ninevites went on in this relationship with God. We don't get much of an account of what might have lasted with them, what took root. Next week, we'll get to see what was going on in Jonah as he preached this message. But for now, let's stick here in this passage and see what it might have to say to us today. Brooke Lee Jetwood, the Hillsong worship leader and songwriter, has recently written a song called Nineveh. Reading this passage, this story, this prophecy, and putting the theme of it to song. Lines in the opening verse say, Compassion or calamity, will you heed the warning? Turn to God, we have eternal life. Turn from God, we have eternal death. Compassion or calamity, Will you, Ninevites, heed the warning? Will you, people of St. Peter's, people of Berry, heed this warning? Which way do you want to turn? Compassion and God's goodness and eternal life. Calamity, God's absence and eternal death. Which do you want? Which do you choose How will you respond to this message today? Even in this moment, you can say, God, I want everything that you've got to offer. Pour it into my life and pour out from me everything that needs to make way. Everything that needs to be removed from me. And he will hear. He will see. And he will respond to you just as he did to the Ninevites. Second thing then, what action do you need to take? The Ninevites quickly believed in their heads and outworked with their lives their change of heart towards God. Turning to follow God now is first about putting your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus. 
It's about saying that I trust that your death on the cross bears the penalty that I deserve and enables me to walk free. It starts with our belief, but repentance of heart quickly then leads to a change of action. Let's make sure that we always get this the right way round. We don't behave our way into the kingdom of God. We can't behave well enough for that to be what we deserve. We've all done wrong. We've all wandered astray. We've all made mistakes. We don't behave our way into the kingdom of God, yet once we've tasted it, our behaviour does not stay the same. Receive the good news of Jesus today. Respond to it in your head and let it outwork itself through your life. Tim Keller, the North American pastor, author and spiritual leader, has written a book about Jonah, which I really encourage you to read. It's called The Prodigal Prophet and goes through this brilliant account verse by verse. Reflecting on this passage, he tells the story of a Bible conference in Pyongyang in 1907, where a revival broke out. Pyongyang is the capital of what we now know as North Korea. And these Korean Christians had accepted Jesus. They were seeking to follow him. They knew what grace was and they were together to be encouraged in their faith, to go on with Jesus. And one evening, someone preached them a message and challenged these North Korean Christians to repent of their traditional national hatred of the Japanese. North Korean culture was to say that they were morally superior to Japan, where the gospel said that they were in equal need of God's grace. And as they heard this message, their pride was drained, their bitterness left, and they realised that they needed to repent of the way that they saw these people. When they returned home, the people who'd been at this conference went house to house to repair relationships with the Japanese people that they knew. They returned stolen goods and urged others to do the same. They sought to repent fully and openly. And what happened as they gathered to worship? Well, it was stunning. Their services were filled with a new power. The church exploded with life. And the Methodist church in that region doubled in size in one year. When people receive the gospel and taste the kingdom, whether for the first time or the thousandth, their lives change accordingly and society is transformed. Is there someone here today that you need to get right with? If you're really honest, is there a family or a group that you don't particularly like? I urge you to receive the gospel again today and to let the Holy Spirit work that out through your life and into your relationships, your networks 
and your influence on the whole of society? Are you worshipping God, but also worshipping other things, maybe overtly, other religions, other philosophies, spiritism, and all that kind of stuff? Maybe that's not where you fall into temptation, but just as much you could be worshipping your career over everything else. Your reputation could be your God, preserving and enhancing and protecting it. If you're worshipping God and anything else, I urge you today, repent and turn to the Lord. Ask that he might relent on you. Show you his mercy again and give you an undivided, wholehearted approach to life and worship with him. Just as we come into land, let's look finally at verse six, because I think it's here that we get a picture from the king of Nineveh, which shows us something about the king of kings. In verse six, the king of Nineveh hears this message. It spreads through the city and it gets his attention. And immediately he rises from his throne. He takes off his royal robes. He covers himself with sackcloth and he sits in the dust. It's pivotal here for all that happens and the message he gives to call urgently on God to the people of the whole city. We today can call urgently on God and receive his mercy because a king far greater than he of Nineveh, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself, hears humanity's cry for help. He rose from his heavenly throne He took off his royal robes. He clothed himself in human flesh and sat in the dust of this earth. All so that we, if we turn to him, can leave the ruin and evil of earth, can take off our rags and instead be given his royal robe so that we can respond to his invitation to sit around his throne in worship now and forever. Jesus would give everything up, that we could take it all up. What a God we have. What an offer he makes. What will be your response today? Let's pray. God of mercy, we pray that you will send your spirit on us now to convict us of those things that we need to give to you. To put your finger on those places in our lives where we haven't made you Lord over everything. Lord, thank you that you come to do this for our benefit and for our good. You do this out of love. You do this so that we might step into even more fullness and freedom. 
you do this so that our lives might be even more conformed to your life and we know that that is life in all its fullness. God, would you give us the faith, the obedience, the willingness to reform our minds and to change our behaviour in line with the gospel. Be glorified amongst us today as we hear and respond to your message of mercy. Amen.